Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teachings from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by the Word of God as we discover together what our Heavenly Father wants us to understand. If you would like more information about our church, how to know Jesus as your Savior, or teachings from the Bible, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. All right, let's spend some time praying and talking to the Lord before we look at His Word today. And so, Heavenly Father, thank You for just the privilege of being part of a church. I'm grateful, Lord, to find a church family and to enjoy this church family. And Lord, I pray for uh, those who uh, have not found that, those people that we know, in, and we're, they're discouraged or they're lonely, and uh, they just need to be part of your church. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of gathering together, and we ask for your continued blessing on us. Now, Lord, right now we're going to look at your Word. So we ask that you would teach us through it, grow us as we look at your Word today from Nehemiah chapter 6. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're going to look at people who instigate they instigate conflict. Sometimes they're angry with us, and so they try to provoke us and get us baited into some kind of dialogue or interaction that's unproductive. Or sometimes they're not even angry with us. They just, they're just people of chaos. You know, they, they come into the office or even sometimes in the family, and uh, they just bring conflict and, and tension into the home or the office or the neighborhood or wherever they are. It's as if they come into the room and they bring this cloud into the room. And when they leave, you feel sorry for the people they're going to meet. There's this kind of challenge that people have. Some people, they're just angry, and they don't like to be angry alone. So they try to bait other people to be angry with them. It's like they they saying, I'm having an anger party, and I, I want to send out invitations to my anger party. Would you join me? It surprises me how many people, RSVP, okay, I'll be in. I'll do that. I'll get involved. Uh, today we're going to watch Nehemiah. He's going to be in a situation where others are instigating uh, these people who are angry and are creating chaos. How is he going to respond? And our lessons today will come out of this passage as we try to model what uh, Nehemiah does. Let's learn from Nehemiah. How does he handle these instigators in his life? What can we do in our lives to handle those people who come into our situations and, and they bait us? I titled this sermon, don't take the bait, because I think that's what we need to apply in our own lives today. Would you please uh, stand with me? I want to read the first three verses of Nehemiah 6. Now, I'm going to teach through the whole passage of Nehemiah 6, but in honor of God's Word, let's read these first three verses together. Now, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates... Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, and let us meet together at Hakafarim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Oh, that, that's such a great sentence. I, we're going to stop right there. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Say that with me. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Uh, we could just leave now. This is really good. We all need this. Let's say it one more time. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Oh, I love that. And he finishes this verse by saying, why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? You may be seated. 
As I was studying this this week, I was so impressed with Nehemiah's ability to deal with instigators that I started drawing a diagram. And this is the diagram I came up with, that there's these, uh, this hook that represents the bait that uh, we're often attracted to, and we get sucked in, or we take the bait, and we end up in places we don't want to be in. We start arguing with people. And we said, why am I arguing with this person? Or we get sucked in, we get angry. Say, why am I getting upset about all of this? We're going to see that take place in the passage. But we also see three things continually in this passage, and I want you to watch for them. As we go through the passage, you're going to see that Nehemiah is able to focus on this great work by doing three things. He has determination, we're going to see his discernment, and we're going to see his dependence on God. Those three things allow him to focus in on the, the great work that he was doing. Let me just show you. This is the first part of my notes. I know you can't read any of the words, but you can see the colors. So as I'm preparing my sermon this week, I, in red, I put all of uh, Sanballat's words that he's using to instigate. Then in green, I put all of Nehemiah's response. You're going to see these as we look through the passage. And then in yellow, I put all of the dependence on God or references to God in the passage. The other comments I made are me forming the sermon and the titles at the top. Don't take the bait. Because I look at this and I say, as I'm doing my study, that's going to be the title. Because I think we tend to, to take the bait sometimes when we shouldn't, and it distracts us from the great work. Do you see in the middle there the great work of my diagram? The verse we read together was, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I think if we look at our own lives and the great work that God is doing, we all have the same great work. It's discipleship. That God is growing us as disciples of Jesus Christ. We want to have peace in the course of our days because we're disciples of Jesus. We don't want to get baited into conflict. We want to have joy in our lives so we're not, we're not baited by discouragement. We want to have love in our hearts. We're, we're all disciples, and to a certain extent, we all have the same great work that God is doing in our hearts and lives. But on another hand, we all have a unique work in our lives. Maybe you're raising children. That is the great work that God has called you to. Maybe you're in a marriage and you're intentional about your marriage and that is the great work that you don't want to be distracted from, very important work in your life. Maybe you're, you're uh, going to school and getting an education. That's the great work that you as a disciple of Christ are doing. So there's a uniqueness that takes place and Nehemiah's uniqueness is that he's building these walls. That is the great work that God has given to him in order to do those things. Now, if we go back into the passage that we've already read, we see that the first distraction or the first thing that happens for Nehemiah is this distraction to go down to the plain of Ono. Ono, I, it just, the, the name itself should ring a bell. You say, oh, no. You probably say that in your own mind. I don't think this is a good idea. Maybe you ought to listen to the Ono part of that sentence. But they're saying, let's come down to the plain of Ono, which is about 30 miles away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem's up high rather cool, but the plains of Ono are nice and warm, kind of a, a warm, let's go down there to the resort area, let's have a talk together, let's enjoy some time. Let's distract Nehemiah from the work is what they're saying. But notice it says, but they intended to do me harm. Do you see the discernment in Nehemiah's words there? I need more discernment in my life to see that the thing that's baiting me out there probably isn't the best thing for me. There's a lot of good things. There's nothing wrong with the plane of Ono. There's nothing wrong with going and spending some time in there, but it's going to take away from the great work that Nehemiah has been called to do. And so he's going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want something to take me away from the great work that God has given to me. 
Just think about the bait that sometimes takes you away from the great work, and, and we have to fight. We have to say no to things in order to stay on track and to do the great work that God has called us to do. So we have this statement of determination. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. So in this first illustration in Nehemiah's words here, we have two of our two circles. One of them, two of our three circles. One is this determination, and the other is discernment that he has. I'm not going to come down there. I'm not going to be distracted. There are distractions that are pulling at us from all kinds of places. It's like they reach into our lives and grab us, and we go, what am I doing doing this? I'm getting away from the great work. I'm going to tell you a story that just uh, I picture in my mind that illustrates this same idea. I was invited to go to Dubai, that's a country in the Middle East, to do a parenting seminar and to meet with some other Christian leaders about family ministry. And I took my 15-year-old grandson, Hudson, with me. And so one of the days we took off and we went to the market, an old market. And if you've been in, a, in a, a, another country, you've probably seen these kind of markets where they have these booths that are 10 foot by 10 foot and they're lined up one right after another. So you're passing by them and in one you might have some incense and some or another one, you might have some uh, cloth, some trinkets for um, uh, tourists. You might have some food in another one. And so there's all these different booths all along on both sides, and you're trying to walk down the middle of these. Maybe there's a hundred of them. And Hudson and I are walking through. I've been in this environment before. Every one of the booths has someone there calling out, come on in and see, I have everything you want right here. And they're calling out from their booth to try to, to have you come in. But they do it in a lot of creative ways. Now, I just ignore them because I've experienced that before, and I can say no. Or I don't say anything. I just keep going. But Hudson's such a polite boy. He's 15 years old. And so they say to him, oh, are you from America? And he says, yes, I'm from America. Oh, what state are you from? I'm from Maryland, and pretty soon he's in a dialogue. Come into my shop and see. And so I'm kind of just smiling at, at all of this. At one point, I just remember one guy says, oh, you're from Maryland here. Oh, I want to shake your hand. Takes his hand, drags him into the booth there with him. And I just think that's what happens in our lives. We're trying to go on in life and do the great work that God has called us to do. But there are all kinds of distractions around that uh, pull us in these different directions. We need determination in our lives. We need discernment to know which of these things are the best things for me. Discernment is this ability to see the consequences of our actions, to see what's coming down the road here. Well, we see that demonstrated in Nehemiah's life. It says, and they sent to me four times in this way, and I'd answered them in the same way. So there's this persistence on the part of, of these um, baiting techniques, these instigators. There's persistence there. We have to be very single-minded if we're going to do what God has called us to do. Well, now I want to take you, starting in verse 5, to a second kind of bait that takes place. As we enter verse 5, we're going to see this bait of fear Fear in particular, a fear of being misunderstood. You know how it is. Sometimes you're in a family and someone says, well, you never, and you're going, wait a minute, and, you, and you want, you're drawn in. All somebody has to say is you never, and you're drawn in because you, you feel like your reputation's at stake here. Wait a minute, it's not you never. Uh, maybe I didn't do it this time, but if you look at my life, a lot of times, and now we're in dialogue. We've been baited into this situation. Or you always, those are two favorite ones, you never, you always. 
When you hear those, you ought to think, no, that's bait. I'm not taking it. Well, let's see how Nehemiah handles the bait of the fear of being misunderstood, starting in verse 5. In the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent the servant to me with an open letter, open in the sense that other people can read it on its way. Reminds me of Facebook. You're going to complain on Facebook so everybody else can see. An open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it. Oh, wow, yeah. So, and I've got other people that agree with me. <laughs> so classic. That you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you've also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there is a king in Judah, and now the king will hear of these reports. So come and let us take counsel together. Do you see that fear of being misunderstood, this baiting that he's trying to draw Nehemiah into a discussion or, or to come down to the plain of Ono and have this dialogue? That bait is out there trying to grab us. These instigators have these ways of saying things. Dad wouldn't do it that way. Well, and so we're off and running then in some trouble. Listen to these words. I really like these words. I had to write these down and put these somewhere in my, on my desk. He says, this is what Nehemiah says, no such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. <laughs> and that's it. I'm done. I'm not getting involved in this discussion. Notice that's the uh, determination. Verse 9 starts this way, for they all wanted to frighten us. That's the discernment. He realized what they're trying to do is just to frighten us into defending ourselves or rationalizing or justifying to take the bait. And then it says to frighten us thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. I have a great work God is calling me to do. I'm not going to get baited into the office politics. I'm not going to get baited into the dialogue that's going on and the conflict these people are trying to instigate. Notice the end of verse 9. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. He just throws that little prayer in there. He doesn't say, well, I went away into my prayer closet. and I He just throws it right into the midst of that seven-word prayer that he throws up to the Lord. It's only four words in Hebrew that he throws up to the Lord, and he says, Lord, strengthen my hands. What a great prayer that we could pray every day. This is one of those kind of in-process prayers, not waiting for our time at the end of the day where we kind of get right with the Lord or morning time. This is like, in life, Lord, I'm starting to get distracted. The bait's coming on here. Lord, strengthen my hands. And that's what Nehemiah prays. This is the dependence on God part of the or my diagram, the dependence of God on God that he has. Oh, Lord, oh, God, strengthen my hands. So the second way of of uh, instigating is to take the bait of, of fear for being misunderstood. There's a lot of fears that we have, fears to be liked, fears to fit into the group, fears of losing something that we have, and, and they often distract us so much that we lose our focus on the great thing that God has for us. You know in that passage where it says, the, in this verse where it says, the great thing The word great, and you can write this down in, in verse 3, just circle the word great and draw a line across and write gadol. That's the Hebrew word, gadol. God has given us a great thing. This is a word great used often in the Bible, but the first time it's used is in Genesis chapter 1, where God says, well, first He, he created light, then He created the atmosphere, then He created land and sea in day three. And day four, it says, He created two great lights 
so that we would know the difference between day and night. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. The two great lights are the sun and the moon, which reminds me, every time I see that sun and I enjoy that sun, oh, this is a great day, a nice sunny day, or I look and I see that full moon, I can say, those are the great lights. And they can remind me in my own life, God has given me a great work. And I need to focus on the great work and not go down, not be taken down, dragged down by others who want to get me into trouble. I think that's what we're seeing in this passage is all three of those, the determination of Nehemiah, we're seeing the dependence of Nehemiah and the discernment of Nehemiah, all three of those together. I think that's what we're going to take away from this as we walk away from this passage uh, in this um, section. But let's go to verse 10 because now we're going to see another kind of bait that's presented. Watch how he does it, because all three of those things are going to be presented now in the next part of the passage. Verse 10 says this, Now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehabel, who was confined to his home, he said, now this is going to be one of those spiritual deceptions, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. This is a deception that's taking place here to try to bait him. I think of all of the deceptions, I don't know the deceptions, all the distractions that are out there. Someone says, read my book, follow my uh, email list, like me on Facebook, um, come to my webinar, come to my conference. And, and not all those are bad, of course, but sometimes we need to say, that's a good thing, but it's not for me. And there's other times where we just need to say, that is just plain wrong. That's deception at its worst. And sometimes we're dragged into those things, and we need to say, nope, I've got a great work. God has a great work for me. I'm focusing in on this great work. And so these guys drag him into this uh, idea, but notice what he says in verse 11. But I said, and this is his determination again, such a should such a man as I run away... And what man, such as I, could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. He's determined. Verse 12. Notice his, his um, discernment. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. So he has a spiritual perception to realize what's going on in the situation. I was a part of starting Calvary Chapel, Mercer County many years ago, and, and it was a great experience. People started coming to church right away. The church grew greatly, quickly. And one man came to me and he said, uh, I have a word from the Lord for you. Now, I don't believe that uh, that is a spiritual gift that's still used today. But when someone says they have a message for me, whether it sounds spiritual or not, I want to listen because God speaks to me through other people. Sometimes he speaks to me through kids. Sometimes he speaks to me through my wife. I need to listen to her because God speaks to me through her. And uh, so this man said, I have a word from the Lord. I said, okay, well, tell me what it is. And he said, uh, I, I believe there's someone in your uh, inner circle of this church is it starting who's going to betray you. I said, okay, thank you. And I went away, and I started thinking, I wonder if it's that guy. Hmm, I wonder if it's that guy. I wonder if it's her. 
and I start to become paranoid about what's going on in this situation. And, and so I mentioned this to Joe Foch over at, at Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. I said, what do you do with these kinds of things? And he said, first of all, you always need to be ready for someone to betray you. You just need to live your life in a godly way so that you're, you're ready for something should that uh, terrible thing happen. But he said, God is not the author of fear. So if you're just becoming fearful about this, you probably should ignore it. It's probably not something from the Lord. Oh, I value that so much. And nobody ended up betraying me. Even to this day, those people, I still love them. They don't betray me. So I just, I think it's great. But I, it just illustrates this idea. Here, I've got, a, I've got a spiritual idea. Let's go lock ourselves in the temple. Then you won't get killed. And, and Nehemiah's response is, no way. I, I'm not doing that. I'm not getting involved in that. And, uh, and notice we have determination, we have discernment, and notice he jumps right in in verse 14 to the dependence on God again. Just a quick prayer. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, O oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. Wow. Those three things demonstrated here, just a beautiful picture of how we can handle the uh, intimidation or the instigation that people bring into our lives. Let's not get sucked in. So notice verse 15. This is the victory verse. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month, Elul, in 52 days. Congratulations, everybody. We did it. 52 days, we finished the wall. Now, when you're serving the Lord and you're doing the great work that God has for you, then you are different than everybody else. You're, you're at peace in the office, and you're not getting into all the chaos that's going on. Or you have joy in your life, even though other people are complaining and arguing, and the, the whole political situation in the office is decreasing. Or in your home, you have this sense of mission, and you're going forward even though there's struggles and frustrations going in your family, or extended family often are the ones who are bringing the chaos into your life. But you're just trusting the Lord in the midst of that, and you're serving the Lord for the great work, the great work that God has for you. And when you do that, other people are watching, and they see those things. Let's see the other people that are watching in the passage. He says in verse 16, and when all of our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. That's an interesting statement. They fell greatly in their own esteem. What that means is they're not as big as they thought they were. They're not as powerful as they thought they could be. There's something bigger than them that allows this person to live at peace in the midst of chaos. There's this other person who can be loving even when other people are being hateful. That's this great, great work that God has called us to do. So their own esteem of themselves fell because they recognized God is doing something better. It says, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Wow. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. So now we've got this inner office politics going on where people are back and forth and, and forming allegiances and so on. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era, and his son Jehonan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. Sounds to me like a lot of family stuff going on in there, and we've got allegiance here, and, and you know how, how it is sometimes in a family, extended family, there's some people that generate tension and conflict. I'm not going to be part of that, is what Nehemiah is saying. I'm not going to get sucked into that. Let's just finish the passage. I'll go back to the diagram. He says in verse 19, also they spoke of his good deeds in my presence, how good he was, and reported my words to him, and Tobias sent letters to make me afraid. 
So there's this instigating that continues to go on in Nehemiah's life. But he's not going to get sucked in. He's not going to take the bait. So I go back to this verse. I think this is the key verse in our passage today. Don't take the bait. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I'm going to focus on the great work that God has given to me. And in order to do that, I need determination. I need discernment in my life. I need dependence on God. I can't do this by myself. Lord, I need to allow you to work in my heart to allow me to be at peace in the midst of the struggles that are going on right now in my life. Maybe you're here today, and you're just kind of getting introduced to discipleship in Jesus Christ. What does it mean to follow Christ? Maybe you're coming to this place in your life where you're saying, oh, wow, I think I'm interested in in this thing they're talking about or in this church or in Christ or something, and I just want to tell you what your next step is. Your next step is to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You ask Him to come into your life, to run your life. We call it becoming a Christian, being born again, getting converted, whatever you want to say, but there's a sense of allowing Christ to take over your life which reminds me about Jesus. When he was here on earth, he had a mission. He talked about his work. He said to his disciples, I'm here to do the work that my Father has given to me. He had a focus in his life of where he was going, and so he, and that focus was the cross because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. That was his great work that he did. And that's why when he was on the cross, hung on the cross, he cried out in a loud voice, it is finished because he had finished the work of dying on the cross for our sins. That is so encouraging because when we rely on the finished work of Jesus Christ, we don't have to rely on ourselves. We don't have to think we're going to impress God with our good works. We rely on the works of Jesus Christ. When you accept Christ into your life, when you trust Him as your personal Savior, you're making that statement before the Lord that says, I want to serve you. I want to be a disciple of Christ. And when you do, then he allows you to see what that great work is that he wants to do in your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your work in our hearts. And Lord, I ask that you'd continue that work, and and when we get distracted, cause us to come back to you and to focus on that great work you've given to us. Lord, we trust you to do that in our lives. Now, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through His Son, Jesus Christ.